0: How's everybody doing today? It's Palm Sunday, did you know? <laughs> How many of you in church growing up, you brought palm branches? Or you waved fake ones? That's what we did at one of our churches growing up. Um, just want to follow up just a little bit about what Isabel said. Again, as you know, we are gonna be celebrating with billions of our brothers and sisters next week, the resurrection of Jesus. And there's gonna be a bunch of people that show up at our church um, next week, maybe who don't usually go to church or new to church or you're inviting them to church. So we're expecting um, some larger crowds. So for, you, for those of you that are in the know and you're here some practical things that are make uh, Sunday better for you next week. A couple things, come early. You know, this is the 9 a.m. service. We're going to see you at 8.30, right? (laughs) And you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. It's only a half hour difference. Um, And then come a little bit early, especially if you have kids, get them checked into City Kids. Um, The service is going to be pretty concise next week so that we can do the three services you want to get in right at the beginning. And then you're going to sit close to the front, so that we can make space for uh, newcomers. Maybe they're going to be more comfortable sitting at the back. And then if you happen to not make it at 8.30, but 95% of you are making it at 8.30, if you happen to be coming to the other service, the same thing will be true. Um, but if you happen to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't make it in time. I was a little bit late. And somehow this room is full. We do have overflow. And one of the ushers at the door says to you, the room is full. You need to go to overflow. You don't need to check the room. (laughs) I'm just telling you, I know what happens at church, okay? People show up at the door and the room is full. Let me just look for a seat. Just cooperate. It's Easter Sunday. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. Next week, (laughs) all right? Um, I just want to make mention um, real quick before we jump in today's message. I just want to recognize our church staff uh, real briefly that, you know, it's not easy to work at church in the best of circumstances. And we've been coming through a really busy season and our team has done a fantastic job. We've been uh, doing a couple different events, hoping, uh, hosting a couple of things. I didn't mention it last week, but two weeks ago we actually hosted um, a youth pastor gathering here at our church with another organization we partnered with them. And there was 80 youth pastors here in the room, which represented about 5,000 students. And so our team was serving along with the CCLN team a couple weeks ago, just to make a great event. There was people here from Texas the people, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and all across Canada. Um, and just our team was serving that group. And then we had uh, worship and prayer night last Sunday. And then we kicked off city school last Wednesday. And then we had a great girls event, women's event last Friday. So I wasn't allowed to come to, um, because I had to uh, watch our fur children, our two dogs. So Nicole was here all day preparing for the event, so I had to watch our dogs uh, last Friday, but I heard it was a fantastic time now. We have so many great volunteers uh, serving at all of those events, but our staff team. Let's give it up for our staff team) Working hard, working long hours, and all to be able to serve you and to move people closer to Jesus. So I just want to recognize them. I know these are a bunch of them that aren't even in the room right now. Um, but if you see our staff, make sure you say thank you because uh, they are doing a great job here at the church. All right, week two of come to Jesus as we prepare for Easter Sunday next week. And traditionally, this is called Holy Week. And so we're gonna just be reading a little bit about Jesus' triumphal entry. And there's actually some meaning for, uh, from that story for us. Now, when we think about our faith, our faith is very Jesus-centric that the apostle Paul talked about if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, we of all people are most hopeless. And and, and just uh, knowing that Jesus is so important to the story, God's story in the scripture, the arc of the story is pointing to the fact that Jesus is coming, Jesus the Messiah is coming, that he, come, he comes and he's crucified. God raised him from the dead. And again, that's what we're gonna be celebrating next week. But this idea of Jesus is so centric to our faith. We are Christians, Jesus Christ. We are Christ ones, followers of Christ. And this phrase has become um, very prominent in our culture. This phrase, come to Jesus. And people use it as a euphemism. They're not actually about talking to to coming to the real Jesus, which we believe is very necessary. But this phrase, come to Jesus, again, is used. I hear it um, on the sports news. I hear it on the news. I hear it in people talking about uh, different situations. Man, they really need a come to Jesus moment. And this phrase has become uh, part of urban culture, and I, I looked it up. And it from the Urban Dictionary, it means this, when one discovers the truth... Now it is amazing that when we talk about Jesus, just culturally, we talk about discovering the truth. That there is something actually deep-seated in the undercurrents of our society, that coming to Jesus, we're actually gonna discover the truth about reality. It also means the essential meaning of something. It means a moment of realization, it means an aha moment, a critical moment, a turning point, a reassessment of priorities. And this is what we would actually see in the scripture, that the word of God uh, talks that it's sharper, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, separating the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Just getting right down to the truth of a situation. What is really happening? What is really happening on the inside of me? What's going on in this situation? That the culture at large is using come to Jesus again as a stand in for these other things. But we as followers of Jesus, we should also believe in this and not just coming to Jesus as an idea, but coming to the real Jesus. And we should want other people to come to the real Jesus. And this is why we talked to you about inviting and we we gave you those cards today and they, they serve two purposes to remind you about the service times next week. But then also it can be an invite card for somebody who doesn't go to church. You you can use that card um, to invite them next Sunday because we want people to encounter and to know the real Jesus, not just to have come to Jesus as a euphemism, but he is true and he is reality. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is the, the side of God's authority, the side of God's power. Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, that he is the center of our faith, that the reason we have a relationship with God is because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that he willingly went to the cross for us, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So we want others to come to Jesus, but we should also come to Jesus constantly all of the time. It should be what we think about on a daily basis. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, a very famous portion of scripture. And Jesus says, first three words here in verse 28, come to me. And this is Jesus' invitation to all come to me. And again, this is unique in the context of world religions. No other famous religious leaders said that they were God in the flesh. They were pointing to morality. They were pointing to an experience that they were pointing to Nirvana. But Jesus uniquely comes and says to us, come to me. That God came down in Christ to reveal to us what God is truly like. And this is one of the deepest questions in the world right now. What is God really like? And so Jesus showed up to show us what God is really like. And then he says to us, come to me. There's this relational invitation that we see from the heart of God that God wants us to come to him. And all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And as we pointed out last week, this is talking about rest for our hearts, rest for the inward part of us that we're gonna read here in a second. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke was representative of Jesus' teaching. And he said, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls true rest, honest rest. We would have a revelation that we would have an understanding that that when we come to Christ, we are discovering what truth is all about, that we are discovering what reality is all about. This invitation to come to Jesus. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That God wants us to carry something, but the thing that he wants us to carry As we were singing about today, he doesn't want us to carry our cares, doesn't want us to carry those things around, but he wants us to carry this relationship with him, that we can actually have a relationship with living truth. So as we look at the triumphal entry, you know, Jesus coming to Jerusalem and that celebratory moment, that famous moment that you've seen in movies, Jesus riding in on a donkey and people waving palm branches and some people laying down their garments, uh, for, Jesus to, for Jesus to ride on the donkey on, and just this beautiful moment. And then a week later, less than a week later, he's crucified. And the same crowd that's shouting, Hosanna, a few days later is shouting, crucify him. But this moment as he comes in, there's this recognition, this three-year journey of ministry that he's been, that he's been on and all of the miracles that he performed and all of the teachings he taught and everything, all these small and big interactions that he had with people, people knew something special was going on and Jesus' teaching was like nobody else's teaching. And look at the miracles he performed and as he was coming in, they were worshiping him. And all of the things that happened this week, he he enters Jerusalem and then the, the cleansing of the temple and the cursing of the fig tree and had conflicts with leaders. And uh, a discourse on the kingdom that we see in Matthew 24 and, and 25, and then we talk about the Last Supper. And all of this happened in this last week before Jesus was crucified. And Jesus was replacing the Passover with the Last Supper at the Garden of Gethsemane and the interaction there with the Roman soldiers. The betrayal of Jesus, the arrest and the trial and the call to crucify him, that he was whipped and beaten and crucified and entombed And then he was in the tomb on Saturday and then on Sunday he arose. And all of that happened just in the last week after Jesus entered Jerusalem. And again, this is why we have church on Sunday. Traditionally for churches is because we are celebrating the resurrection. This is something that we do and we will do next week with billions of people around the world. So let's read this here in Matthew Twenty-one, Verse one, it says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and he came to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. Verse four, this took place to fulfill what was just spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal, a beast of burden. So this is a prophecy of the Old Testament that Jesus was fulfilling about the Messiah. Verse six, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the crowds spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him followed him and were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem. The whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? The crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, again, if you were living in this moment, you couldn't have imagined that less than a week later that Jesus would be crucified, that he would be accused of something else, that there would be this mock trial that went on and the people that are crying Hosanna would fall along with this other crowd, with this other religious leaders who were mad at Jesus and would yell, he's guilty, crucify him. We couldn't even imagine that moment. And other people would have got just swept into it. But here in this moment what do we see that's happening? People are worshiping Jesus. And Jesus actually received worship and this this word hosanna really is a cry for salvation and it is basically please save us. And what they would think about a deliverer they would look back and they would think about Moses leading the children out of Egyptian bondage, this great exodus. And so they'd be thinking, okay, this is what Jesus is gonna do. Jesus is gonna lead us out of Roman bondage. We're gonna see another exodus, another Red Sea moment. Save us. And what they were thinking about, they were thinking that they more needed physical salvation from bad leadership, bad political leadership. And we could think... In North America, perhaps, in these past seasons or in the next seasons or whatever, parties in power and whatever, I don't care about it. We could think we need an exodus because of the leadership is so bad. But the salvation that all of these people needed was actually salvation from their sin, that this was actually the worst burden on them than bad political leadership save us. They thought it was going to be a physical salvation, but Jesus was going to provide a salvation for their heart, for their soul, freedom from sin. See, there's two necessary things as it relates to our relationship with God. And they're kind of obvious when we think about them. The first one would be worship. And this was obvious in this moment that, that Jesus, this prophet, this miracle worker, He's done all of these things. Haven't you heard about him? We should worship him. This amazing triumphal entry. And then closely associated with that would would be humility. For us to worship someone, for us to worship God, we would have to humble ourselves and realize we're, we're not actually worthy of worship, that God, the creator God, And even just a philosophical point, if God is God, he would only be the one who's worthy of our worship. And this was obvious in this moment until the crowd listened to some other words. And then they said, crucify him. But here in this moment, they had it right. They were worshiping him. Jesus received this adoration, which is interesting again because people don't receive worship, but hear Jesus, God in the flesh. And when we think about Jesus, you know, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis famous Christian writer, he posits this point for us, that Jesus is either Lord, <clears throat> he's a lunatic, or he's a liar. He can't just be a good guy. He can't just be a good teacher to us. He either is God in the flesh or he's crazy, or he's a liar. But he can't just be, he's a good teacher. Because the thing that he taught about us and the claims that he made, that he was with all of his I am statements is that he was showing to us that he was God in the flesh. So either he's God and we serve him or we have to say he's a lunatic and a liar. But the miracles he performed and the resurrection tell us otherwise that he actually has this rightful place as our Lord, so that we would worship him and then we would humble ourselves to him. See, in, in, in that moment, in that time, and for actually the rest of the globe right now, it is obvious that God should be worshipped. But for us in the West and Western countries, there's a big struggle going on right now about worshipping God. People think that You know they're looking at intellectuals, and it's like, oh, there's a bunch of people that don't believe in God, and so they're they're the intellectuals, the atheists, are these big intellectual people. But this disposition, this disposition in our hearts to be able to worship God is so important, because in the West, what we're experiencing and what we're being told is that we just worship ourselves and us. We're amazing. And the thoughts that I think and the feelings that I have, you must, for lack of a better word, worship them. I had this feeling. I had this thought. I'm me. I'm amazing. But you can see how this gets twisted. I mean, at a a fundamental level how to worship a created thing versus worshiping the creator God is a big problem. And it can mess with your thinking. If we get worship wrong, because everybody worships, and if we're just worshiping ourselves, if we're just worshiping other people, if we're worshiping things, instead of worshiping the creator God, man, our life can get turned upside down for the wrong. And so for us, followers of Jesus, as we come to Jesus, it's obvious or it should be obvious that we worship him. First Chronicles 16 verse 34 says this, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. We thank God That he's just, his good, he is good to us. And then what else about his character and nature? His steadfast love, his constant love endures. So your love and my love doesn't endure, right? We're, We're fickle. We're like the crowd. We're like, Hosanna, crucify him. And if you're in relationship with one of us broken human beings, that will be the feelings that we have towards you once in a while. We love you. Your hair looks great today. But then next week, if you do something wrong, or if you don't treat me just right, crucify him. But God's love endures He's worthy of our worship. We aren't. We aren't worthy of each other's worship. We're not worthy of our own worship of self. That we would worship God. This should should be our natural disposition. Psalm 99 verse five, exalt the Lord, O God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he at his footstool that we are bowing down before him that we are yielding ourselves, we are submitting ourselves to him. This is what should happen when we come to Jesus. Not just the euphemism, but when we really come to Jesus. And again, you've heard me say it many times, but this is why we start our services with worship. Because we're exalting Jesus. We know that a relationship with Jesus change people's lives. So when we cry, Hosanna, he actually wants to save us from our sins, from our past, from all of the things that separate us from God. And then the other part, when we sit at his footstool, we should want to know what he's saying to us, that we worship him, We give him our adoration. And then we ask, Lord, what do you say about my life? Not just what do I feel about my life. Here's secret knowledge about me and my heart. No, I I want to know what you're saying to me, God. Not just what I'm feeling, because my feelings could be wrong. Has anyone ever had that? You had feelings about something, strong feelings about something, and then... Other information showed up and you're like, man, I was completely wrong. And how do you know that's really important for our lives? Because if our feelings are wrong, we should want to know from the creator of us, what do you say about us? What are you telling me about my life? I want to save you. You don't need to leave the country to get saved. You don't need a physical exodus. You need an exodus from your sin. We all need an exodus from our sin. Hosanna, that's what it means. But then when we have this exodus, we need to come to Jesus and say, Lord, what do you say about us? Look at two more stories and then we'll be done this morning here. In Mark chapter 10, we're gonna see a guy that's not sure that he actually needs salvation. Because he's awesome. Not that that ever could be us, 2023. Mark 10, verse 17. And he was setting out on a journey, and a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life, Good teachers, kissing up to him a little bit?" And Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good?" Jesus recognized it right away. No one is good except God alone." Verse 19, listen, Jesus just gets right down to the truth of the matter. This guy has a come to Jesus moment. You know the commandments, Jesus says to him. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Verse 20, and he said to him, this is what the rich young ruler said, teacher, all of these things have I kept from my youth. In other words, what is his answer to Jesus? (laughs) I'm amazing. (laughs) Not unlike most young men. Verse 21, and Jesus looking at him, or at least what young men think, that's what I meant. And Jesus looking at him, loved him, And said to him, now, what is he going to do? He loves him. And so what is he going to say to him? He's going to tell him the truth. He's going to tell him the thing that he needs to hear. And this is what having a real come to Jesus moment is like. He, He loves him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was speaking to his heart. See, he had all these externals. He had all the, the, the markings of what a good religious young man should have, all these things, I don't do all these things. But God didn't have his heart. And this is where worship emanates from, just right from the center of us. And it's expressed in our singing and it's expressed with our hands raised and it's expressed when we clap and worship God. But it starts right down on the inside of us. And so Jesus spoke the right thing. Verse 23, and Jesus looked and said to disciples, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, what is Jesus addressing here? The people that have wealth, they're just, they love their stuff. Now this, this wasn't, this wasn't Jesus marker for salvation because Jesus interacted with a lot of rich, wealthy people, which you are some. Do you know that you're some of the richest people in the world? Did you know that? People are like, no. If you have a part-time job in Canada, you are in the top 10 wage earners in the world. They're like, forget the world, Pastor Brent. I'm talking about my street. I'm talking about the world. <laughs> This this wasn't Jesus' de facto statement when he interacted with rich people because all rich people aren't necessarily not worshiping God. Are you with me this morning? It was was a heart issue with this guy. Now listen, verse 26. uh, They were exceedingly astonished. They said to him, then who can be saved? Now why are they saying this? Because they're Jewish, Jewish people don't believe in being poor (laughs) to this day. Are you here this morning? They're like, uh, I thought salvation was from the Jews. Who could be saved then, Jesus? Because these are all business owners. Do you get it? They're like, who could be saved then? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So what is the thing that Jesus is addressing in this moment? That this guy thought that he could achieve salvation on his own by his actions, right? This is the thing that Jesus was dealing. He's dealing with the heart of the matter. But he's saying with God, it's possible. Because God provides the way for salvation by grace. Grace. There is no list that you can be like, oh, I kept all these things and I did all these things. With man, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to save yourself. It's impossible for you to have an exodus moment with your sin without Jesus. So with God, it's possible. With man, it's impossible. So this guy had his worship all messed up upside down. What was he doing? He was worshiping himself and how good he was. And he loved his stuff. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. We shouldn't just love them. They should be opportunities for generosity. For, but we don't put our heart on those things. We don't worship those things. Obviously, the rich young ruler was worshiping his stuff and not worshiping God. And this is the heart check for all of us. This is the come to Jesus moment. Are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping ourselves? How good of a Christian we are. Are we worshiping that? Or are we worshiping God? Now listen, so Peter, verse 28. I love Peter. He's always just talking, saying the wrong thing. But at least he's talking. So that we can see what Jesus is going to say to it. So Peter now is going to start to try to justify himself, right? He's like, oh. We've got to do what this guy did to be saved. Peter began to say, uh, we've left everything and followed you. In other words, he's saying, we did the stuff, Jesus. We did something. Jesus said, truly, truly I, say, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, or mothers, or fathers, or children, or lands for my sake and for the gospel who not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Wow. How about that? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So the the heart of the matter at the end is, are, are we humbling ourselves to receive the salvation that God provides? Hosanna, save us we can't save ourselves but with God it's possible with God it's possible for us to walk into this salvation with God it's possible for us to have salvation separate from all of the things that we do and it gets down to the heart, is like, uh, for who will be first, or in other words, the people who put themselves first, try to justify themselves, they will be last. But the last, the humble, will be first. The people who humble themselves and say, God, without you, I am nothing. And that is the heart of worship. We come to him and we say, Hosanna. We yield ourselves to him. And we say, God, what do you say about my life? I wanna be good ground for the things that you say to me. And this is the heart of worship. And we'll finish with this today, Luke 8. Jesus gives them a parable about the sower sowing seed. And he talks about these four different types of soil and the disciples are like, um, we, don't get, we don't get it, Jesus. We don't understand the story that you're telling us. Verse nine, it says, when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, so in other words, they didn't get what Jesus was saying, he said to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Verse 11, now this, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God the word of god so with a humble heart as we come to god and we worship him with this disposition that we didn't accomplish this on our own but with god it's possible for me to have a relationship with him that the seed that we need in our lives is the word of god the thoughts of god the ways of god and we should desire to humble ourselves To hear what he says to us, not just what I think or not just what I feel. God, what do you say about this? This is what all believers should do. Followers of Jesus, as we come to Jesus, Lord, what do you say? What do you say about this? What do you say about this area of my life? Because that's when worship becomes life. God, what do you say? Sitting at his footstool with a listening ear and a humble heart. The parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, the ones along the path, are those who have heard, the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. So what is the path? It's that packed down soil. It's impenetrable. So we don't want our heart to be like that we want to have a a humble heart of worship there's another type of soil verse 13 and the ones in the rock are those who when they hear the word they receive it with joy but these have no root for they believe for a while and in a time of testing they fall away i hear it this is exciting i know what you're saying to me god but then this test comes my way and that I set aside your word and I just focus on this test. Verse 14, another type of soil. And as for what fell among thorns, those are like who hear that go their way. They're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Now, for all of us, at some point in our life, these things have been true. Our, our heart has been impenetrable to the word of God. And then we hear something with excitement. And then we're just distracted by a test. And then we hear the word of God. But then there's no root. and It's just thorns and there's the cares of this world. But here's the, the humble heart so that we can hear the word of God. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. See, the person with joy, they are excited for a moment, but then the word of God gets planted into our hearts and then it slowly grows and it slowly grows and then it starts to bear fruit in my life. But what did it say about our heart? That we would hold it with an honest and good heart. A humble heart. An open heart. God, we say, Hosanna. Save us. We worship you. But then we want to hear what you say. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you so much today. God, as we come to you today and worship you, we realize like the rich young ruler that we are nothing without you. So we just worship you today, Lord. We just take a moment again and remind ourselves that you are the only one worthy of worship. That other people aren't, things aren't, possessions aren't, but only you. So we just come to you today, Lord. We worship you. We humble ourselves before you. We sit at your footstool. We know that you are the only one that has everlasting love for us. So it's a joy to be in your family today. But God, also with that heart of worship, we just come to you again and we yield ourselves to you. What is it that you are speaking to us in this moment? What word from the scripture do we need to hear? And do we need to know the changes that we need to make, that the word of God would grow in our lives and bring the change that we need? Separate from anything We can dream up. God, what are your dreams for us? What are your plans for us? God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for salvation. And we thank you for your word today. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Aren't you thankful for God's word this morning? Amen. If you are here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus. Just like there with the rich young ruler that he said, is like, it's it's possible for us to have a relationship with God. God has made a way for us. The gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about coming to Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because all of that has happened, The offer of grace goes out to you, all of us. This offer of a relationship goes out to all of us and all we have to do is say yes. And like the rich young ruler, we're not good enough to be saved on our own. And like other people in history, we can't create a religion and then offer that to God and say, God, are you pleased with this thing that I bring to you? No, God brings to us his grace and his love and his mercy. And all we have to do is say yes to it. So if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second, just a starting point for you and your relationship with God. Or if you're here this morning and you used to be close to Jesus, and you kind of feel like you're distant this morning from God, and you know, God has not managed you. God is inviting you close to himself. Again, you pray with me as well. So church, we're gonna be praying this out loud together, maybe praying it with somebody who's praying for the first time to rededicate in their life to Christ. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you, my father. Jesus, I call you, my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen, come on, let's celebrate with those who've made that decision for the first time this morning. It's beautiful. We celebrate you this morning and so if that was you, if you made a decision to follow Christ or you made a decision to rededicate your life to Him, want to encourage you to make sure you pass by the info desk right after service. They'll have a packet of information for you, resources for your new journey of faith. So they'll just be able to celebrate with you, give you a big smile, a big hug to celebrate you with a great decision that you made uh, this morning. want to remind you of a really big thing that's happening next week all right so make sure you take this info card it's on the seat uh, uh, it was on your seat take one for you so that you remember the service times next week say it with me next week services are at oh goodness guys we're gonna be in trouble next week service times are at 8 30 10 15 and noon beautiful all right um and- We have made space for you to invite your family and friends. It's also a reason why we decided to go to three services. Like Pastor Brent said, we have an overflow space available upstairs, and we made sure to make that space intentional as well. We won't just be sticking anyone there in front of a TV and saying, good luck. We're recreating a whole mini church upstairs. There's gonna be live worship, okay? Really wanna make some space for you to invite your family and friends. So come here early so you can get in the room. You can enjoy our overflow space. And like Isabel said in the video, if you come to church and there's the parking lot is full, essentially all of our neighboring lots will are offering us overflow parking, okay? So don't turn around and go away. Just park and then get your exercise in to service. All right, why don't we all stand up as we get ready to go? If you came to church this morning hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, some of our leadership, they're making their way down to the stage right now. Once we're dismissed, I'm gonna encourage you to come up to one of them We'd be more than happy to pray with you this morning. All right, City Church, we will see you next Sunday for Easter Sunday. It's gonna be such a great time of celebration. Make sure you come early for one of our service times. Have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday.